some preachers and teachers and scholars, I think, get it wrong. I believe get it wrong when they say, you know, God's other attributes come out, exude out of him, but his his divine nature, in essence, is love. That that he does just things, but he is love. He does he does he does show wrath, but he's not wrath. He is love. I totally disagree with that. I think the Bible is very clear that all of the attributes of God are whole and one and unified, and they, they are not broken into parts. How do we most often view God? Everyone struggles with having a slightly one-sided view of God. We tend to assume that God most often shows a certain trait. That trait tends to be based on how we were taught to view God overall. But can an infinite God reflect all of his traits fully at all times? This week, Keith Holloway rejoins Gary Wilkerson to continue their discussion about the attributes of God and how they are completely expressed in Him. Before we join them, though, we want you to have access to daily biblical encouragement. World Challenge offers daily devotional emails as a regular reminder of God's goodness. You can sign up at worldchallenge.org. We would not be able to create these resources without generous listeners like you. Please consider donating to power the mission and make World Challenge resources like this devotional and podcast possible. And now, here's Gary. Gary Wilkson here with the Gary Wilkson Podcast, and I am with my dear friend Keith Holloway. We have been talking about the divine nature of the Romans, uh, chapter one, that his divine attributes have been made known to us. Right now, we're just going to go to sort of a, a attributes 101 a, a, a precursor to some of the the more in-depth studies that we'll get into these over the weeks to come. So I want to encourage you to check out our next podcast because we'll be the next several podcasts we're going to be talking about these uh, divine attributes uh, of God. So we've got the first three there. And, um, you know, these, this reminds me of uh, uh, 17 years old. I graduated from high school at 17 and then went off to Bible school in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, had a British professor that taught theology, uh, the Doctrine of God 101, and, uh, you know, the British, there's something about the British accent that makes God sound even more dignified uh, than us in our Western sort of uh, uh, breaking down of language. Uh, no offense there to those of us who speak American. Uh, but, uh, you know, so it's just wonderful to hear God spoken of with that that tongue. But more than that, uh, he had us read J.I. Packer's uh, Knowing God. Have you ever heard about that book? Sure. Um, was about the attributes of God. And I remember being really deeply touched by these things. I grew up in church. You know, my father was an evangelist and a pastor and a, had a prophetic ministry. And my grandfather was a pastor, my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, on and on and on. Um, and yet had never really, like maybe a lot of people listening to us today, never really ever taken the time to um, theologically look at these this divine nature and attributes of God. And even though I was... I would probably classify myself as a college student more, as we spoke last week, a low view of God, high view of God. I'd say it was more of a low view, sort of the human interest, self-promotion was more important to me. Uh, you know, I was dating the girl that would become my wife, Kelly, at the time, and she certainly had more of my interests than maybe God even had. Um, got away from my uh, Christian home, and even though I was in Bible school, I started going to concerts, uh, Queen and Cheap Trick and uh, Deep Purple and Uriah Heep, all these old, some of those you know, that are older listening to those, remember those. But I do remember, and I still actually have on my bookshelf here, the, my copy of my college book uh, by J.I. Packard, Knowing God, because I remembered there's something, there's something there that I want, you know, even though I didn't pursue it wholeheartedly at that time, there was a longing in my heart. So these attributes that we're talking about, the powerful God, 
all knowing. He knows everything. You can't escape. Uh, you know, as we talk later about the justice of God, it's actually frightening to know a just and holy God knows everything about me, my motives, my heart. Can't escape. Nothing in darkness. He's in light. So, so you give us three. Let me give us three more. Um, uh, the wisdom of God. I would say the wisdom of God is is one of his attributes that God, and that could be an, he's omni-wise, he's all-wise. He, there is no wisdom that he doesn't hold fully himself. Um, he's not grasping for any other wisdom. No man, uh, Job says that, I think you quoted from Job a few weeks ago. Um, he, ha he has no, no one can counsel him. Uh, he doesn't need our information. Uh, he doesn't learn. It's kind of interesting, you know, it almost sounds, make, makes God sound dumb. He doesn't learn. He doesn't have to learn. He already knows everything. All, all knowledge that we have is given to us by him, by his grace. So, so he's, he's all, 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 all wise. Um, the goodness of God is another attribute. God, God is good. Um, that, that's one that we tend to really love and appreciate about him the most, that, that he's good. And then the third one I would say is, uh, rounding us off to, to six that we've discussed now briefly, is the justice of God. Um, and that he is just or, um, you know, the, the word holy is attachedness to holiness. And I, I don't know if this is an actual word, if you could look up in the dictionary, but for me, I, with the justice of God, justice sounds like something you do, you give, where to me, just is who he is. He is just. So, so in this, on this one, I usually don't call it the justice of God. I call it the justness of God, kind of using the, borrowing the holiness of God, the justness. He is just in himself is there, there's a justness about him, not just that he's doing justice. And so those are, those are, those are three attributes as well. You want to throw a few more at us? You got a few more up your sleeve? Sure. Uh, God is eternal. Uh, that means uh, that, that be eternal is not only just forever existent, uh, both past, present and future, but it speaks to him being unlimited or bound by time. Uh, and then uh, the, we've spoken, at least we've named it, uh, the immutability of God, the unchangingness or unchangeableness of God, uh, that in his person, he does not change, in his perfection, in his purposes, uh, in his promises, in his provisions, in his precepts. Uh, you know, preachers always use, uh, I forget what it's called when we use the same letter over and over, but uh, all of those P's that I mentioned, uh, he's unchanging in that. He's uh, ever ever constant. The Bible says that there's no changing, there's no shadow of turning with him. So the immutability. Uh, you mentioned as well, uh, at least in passing, you know, the holiness of God. This is one I think that is uh, tied into what we touched last week, that, you know, he is absolute moral perfection. Uh, and because he is who he is, he has the right from that uh, holiness to declare what morality is, what is good and what is evil. And he alone can judge what is good and what is evil. It stems from his holiness. You, you talked about holiness as it relates to us as some of our sanctification and, and a position in Christ uh, where we've been clothed in the righteousness and the holiness Whereas pure and holy before God in Christ as we can ever be. Um, uh, but that that's a powerful, they're all powerful, but that one is really powerful <laughs> uh, to to mention as a as an attribute. So I think that 
brings us to maybe nine we've mentioned, uh, okay. thereabouts. I keep going here, the mercy of God. That God is all omni-merciful as well. Uh, there's nothing he ever does that is not merciful. Even the wrath of God is merciful. In Revelation uh, 19, um, there's this the scene of the last judgment, the last um, seal is broken and God pours out his wrath on the earth and all the saints and the angels cry out like, you know, with, with a, a joyful exuberance over God being just that, that you know, right now in our uh, fallible minds and then having a low view of God and the high view of ourselves, we see the justice of God almost being unjust. How dare he send somebody to hell? How dare he pour out his wrath? How dare he cause a flood? And and it shows our it shows our high view of ourself. And, and so uh, the, the the mercy of God uh, is 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 even seen in the justice of God, uh, the grace of God. Uh, we want we want to spend some time on that. We would not be sitting here talking today if it were not for the grace and mercy of God. And then the love of God, uh, the outpouring of His grace is the manifestation of His love. Uh, let me just comment on that briefly. Some some preachers and teachers and scholars, I think, get it wrong. I believe get it wrong when they say, you know, God's other attributes come out, exude out of him, but his his divine nature, in essence, is love. That that he does just things, but he is love. He does he does he does show wrath, but he's not wrath. He is love. I totally disagree with that. I think the Bible is very clear that all of the attributes of God are whole and one and unified, and they, they're not broken into parts. not like sometimes he chooses to be wrathful, and then he starts feeling bitter, and then he's going to show mercy. Um, his mercy and wrath are, are married together. His justice and his truth and his grace are all uh, encompassing in one one thing. So the love of God is, is, is not just central. It's not the only attribute, and the other ones are secondary. I think we need to be very careful with that. So the love of God is, uh, is shown obviously most clearly through the cross and the death and burial resurrection of Christ. So is that uh, 12 that we've listed so far, nine or 12? Or, or, right. By lost count, you throw out another one or two if you want. All right, yeah, the uh, sovereignty of God. We talked about sovereignty and suffering in God. This sovereignty of God is is probably one of the most argued attributes because there's the whole Calvinist Armenian debate, which I don't like to get into, but I do have my own uh, understanding of scripture and um, the sovereignty of God is, is is probably the most debated because in some senses it's not the most important because there's you cannot we are not meant to I don't we are not meant to prioritize the attributes of God if you do you will diminish part of God if you diminish part of God you're going to have a low view of God That's and right. so so the sovereignty of God the reason I think it stands alone maybe to some degree is that it it gives uh, freedom of expression to God to do as he pleases with all these things. Uh, the, the sovereignty of God can, ex, ex, he can ex, 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 extend grace if he wants, or he can promote, pour out wrath. Uh, because he is sovereign, he, he, you know, we can't tell him be more loving. You know, we want to, right? You know, God, please show, you know, show, show me your love, uh, you know, or pour out your grace. You know, we can certainly ask that and he's merciful to do that. But in his sovereignty, he, Right, whatever he chooses is right, and we'll talk more about that. But I've been studying that lately and getting thrilled with this understanding of God. Is that God? God doesn't look at what is right and then tries to do it. Uh, he doesn't see an external covering of law and goes, "Look at that law out there. I want to try to, I want to try to be 
you know, righteousness is a law, so I'll try to be that. It's not something he's trying to do. It's something he is. So out of his sovereignty, uh, he exists as a righteous being, as a powerful being. He's, he's not trying to be powerful. He is power. He, you know, he's, and, and yeah, I would even go so far to say is he's not, he's not just powerful. He is power. Uh, he, he is not just uh, knowing things. He, he is knowledge. You know, he, uh, you know, Proverbs speaks of that wisdom. He is, he is wisdom. He's not just having wise thoughts. And so uh, sovereignty, I think, is part of that. Uh, so that, those are the basic ones I have. Do you have a few any more? Uh, I could throw out a couple more, but you made a good point, Gary, that uh, we should not, and, and, and really we cannot, uh, uh, prioritize uh, God's attributes. Uh, I mean, if we were going to, uh, and I think some of the writers that you've been speaking of, they uh, would say that his sovereignty is a bit more of a priority uh, in the sense of, or that it's more all-encompassing. Out of his sovereignty flow these other attributes. Uh, but I think there's a danger in that uh, because we see through a glass darkly. We're, we're so emotional creatures that we begin to, to view God from uh, a standpoint or from a position that is sometimes not healthy, frankly. And um, trying to use an example, remember how I said uh, something that's indescribable, we're trying to describe and we describe him from our human existence, our human uh, knowledge and intellect. Um, the Bible uses like a raging, uh, like a, a roaring lion and, and like this and like that. So I'm going to say that the attributes of God are something like perhaps a prism. Um, that it is when you hold the prism in your hand, it is one. Uh, it, it it's it's a whole. It's just one item, one object. But as the light shines through it, you see a multitude of colors. And if you turn it for a different angle and the lighting changes, you'll see a different hue of color, different tints. Uh, so it's like the attributes are one, but each. One is there, and they're almost innumerable, like we've said. Uh, so our numbering uh, or listing, if you will, these attributes, really, it's it's a way that in our minds we're able to measure and contemplate something that is beyond us. So uh, I would just say uh, there is one that's not often thought about, but uh, the infinitude of God. Uh, that infinitude is closely uh, related to the uh, uh, the eternalness of God, where we said when we think of God as eternal, he's unbounded, he's unlimited by time or space. Uh, infinitude uh, carries that. You remember, um, uh, what was it, Toy Story, uh, where, um, uh, what was that, what was that little toy? The, the one that would say, huh? One of those are cowboy or the infinity and beyond guy. Yeah, the 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 Power Ranger guy. I forget his name. Uh, I'm not a pro of uh, Toy Story, but uh, uh, but he said to infinity and beyond. It, you know, <laughs> I laugh every time I hear that because infinity. There's no end of infinity. There's no beyond infinity. Uh, but he was trying to use words to say, you yeah. know, whatever you do, I'm going to do more. I'm going to go further. Uh, so the infinitude of God, he is not limited. He is not bound. There's no restrictions. Uh, I love that because that, uh, 
that the, the, these attributes are so interconnected that they're, they're like folds of a garment. They just roll over to one, over the other, over the other. Uh, and so when I think of the infinitude of God, the infinite, the infinity of God, uh, how wonderful is that when we think of his love? There's no end of his love. There's no end of his mercy. There's no limits of his grace. Uh, next, I would say, what about the uh, self-sufficiency? This is one that we don't typically think of, but um, uh, he is self-sufficient. Uh, people might not understand this, but the truth is that God does not need us. Uh, he does not need creation. Before there was creation, before there was the boundaries of time and space, before there were angels, God was, and he was all sufficient. He was, he was completely satisfied, but he willed to do things and to express himself in ways that out of that came uh, creation. So um, self-sufficient, uh, I, that I just remember John 5 uh, talks about that he has life within himself. Uh, he's not dependent upon anything or anyone. Uh, last two, he is transcendent, the transcendency of God. That, uh, again, to me, that's like the infinitude. Um, <clears throat> there's no limit. He, whatever is high, he's higher. And whatever you think is beyond, he's beyond. Um, and then lastly, one that we all know and so deeply appreciate is the faithfulness of God. That when we are not faithful, he remains faithful. And uh, these attributes, again, I think are foundation blocks of our existence, even if we don't know them. And frankly, we don't know many of these. Um, uh, and even though you and I are talking about them, we have to be honest that there's scopes of these that we have not yet entertained. There's application of these that we've not yet uh, realized. Sometimes we're just not even mindful of them. Um, but as we look at all of these attributes, that scripture about, um, I was trying to remember, but I, I sorry, I can't remember uh, the reference, but what is man that you are mindful of him? Uh, these attributes, they're so lofty, they're so elevated. Uh, they're filled with majesty and um, a, a magnitude that so exceeds us that we could just go on and on and on verbalizing and trying to intellectually and from our heart work through the process of understanding who he is uh, and understanding that he's only revealed some of who he is. I can't imagine what it's going to be like when we see him as he really is. Can you? I, I can't imagine. What is it going to be? People talk about the streets of gold and the glassy sea and the big throne and uh, I suppose all of that's going to awe us as well. But uh, but I just think when we look at him, uh, whatever he is, and whenever that comprehension, I thought, well, that's why he said uh, eternity is in our hearts and we'll spend eternity with him. It, it'll take eternity for us. To, and we still won't come to the end somehow. Uh, but we're going to see more and more. It'll be an ever-growing experience. Of yeah. not only seeing him as he is, but the Bible says unbelievably that we will be as he is. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Yeah, C.S. Lewis talks about: Would you want to go to heaven if Jesus or God was not going to be there? You know, would you just want, like you said, the streets of gold and stuff? And Lewis's answer was no, because in reality, uh, Lewis doesn't go into this, but I, I was kind of mulling over this recently. Um, if if Christ is not in heaven 
or if God is not in heaven, then all these attributes we're talking about are not in heaven. So then heaven becomes hell because if there's no love or grace or mercy, because if there's love on earth, it's because God is love and he's demonstrating that through his grace. So there's grace on earth because of that. And there's justice on earth because God is just. Take God away and heaven becomes hell and hell becomes, earth becomes hell. Let me go back a little bit. And so so these will be the things that we'll be talking about in the next 10 to 12 weeks or so, Lord willing. Um, and we're going to really break them down into, into ways. And we'll be asking the questions then, uh, so what? So, so, so what? So, so God is timeless. What does that mean to us? Well, it affects us deeply. And then, uh, so what? And then, now what? What do we do with that? How do we practically uh, bring these things into our life? And so we'll be talking about those in the weeks to come. No matter what we're going through, we have the comfort of knowing God's character is always the same. His mercy and grace do not change, even in His judgment or protective wrath. That's good news in both the good times and the tougher periods of life. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. This episode was written by Rachel Schimitz. Our producer is Chris Wigginton, with audio and video production by Aaron Gale. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Join us next week as Gary and Keith discuss the danger of diminishing any one of God's attributes in favor of others.